This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello, and welcome once again to Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio with Christopher Gonzalez and... Megan Barcelia. Today, we're going to talk about a journey. A very special kind of journey. The hero's journey. The mythic structure of Joseph Campbell's monomyth, as written about by Dan Bronzite on MovieOutline.com. To structure or not to structure, that is the question. Every story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. In the beginning, you set up your hero or heroine and his story. Then you throw something at him that is a great source of conflict and takes him into a whole heap of trouble. After facing many foes and overcoming various obstacles, the hero saves the day and wins the girl. If only writing a movie was that easy. The thing is, there are many forms of structure, and some writers subscribe to one formula while others subscribe to another. Some try not to subscribe to any and see the whole idea of structure as evil, feeling that a story should evolve organically without rules confining ideas or obstructing the creative flow. In the end, a story should dictate the kind of structure it follows, or whether it shouldn't follow a structure at all. There's no point trying to write a comedy and forcing the structure of a thriller upon it. It won't work. Well, theoretically it won't, but I'm sure someone will find a way. Let your characters define the story and your story define your structure, and then use a formula, if necessary, to tighten your script. The trick is to initially let the ideas flow without paying too much attention to structure, and then in your second pass, begin to focus your story and separate the wheat from the chaff. The 12 Stages of the Hero's Journey A popular form of structure derived from Joseph Campbell's monomyth from his book The Hero with a Thousand Faces and adapted by Christopher Vogler is the 12-stage hero's journey. This is essentially a more detailed character arc for your story's hero, which is overlaid onto the more traditional three-act structure that many successful Hollywood movies such as Star Wars and The Wizard of Oz, when analyzed, appear to follow. And then there's a little graphic here that shows all the different steps in the hero's journey, and I suppose I'll just describe it. In Act 1, in the ordinary world, there is... Ordinary world, call to adventure, refusal, meeting with the mentor, and crossing the threshold into Act 2, special world, tests, allies, enemies, approach to inmost cave, ordeal, reward, seizing the sword. Which then transitions into Act 3 with the road back, resurrection, and return with elixir. You might be wondering, have I tuned into the wrong podcast? This is still Line Dance (laughs) podcast, isn't it? Yes, it is. Megan and I are going to describe the various ways that there is overlap between the hero's journey and the world of line dance. And we're going to go step by step, starting from step the first. Step the first, not step one? Uno. (laughs) Ordinary world. This is where the hero exists before his present story begins, oblivious of the adventures to come. It's his safe place, his everyday life where we can learn crucial details about our hero, his true nature, capabilities, and outlook on life. This anchors the hero as a human, just like you and me, and makes it easier for us to identify with him and hence later empathize with his plight. And I think, you know what, I might just go down the whole list and we can wrap it all together Later, what do you think? I think that would make the most sense. We could. Let's do that. Number two, and you can always just refer back up to previous points in the timeline if you forget what any of these are when we refer to them later. Deal. Number two, call to adventure. The hero's adventure begins when he receives a call to action, such as a direct threat to his safety, his family, his way of life, or to the peace of the community in which he lives. It may not be as dramatic as a gunshot, Hashtag Batman. But simply a phone call or conversation, but whatever the call is and however it manifests itself, it ultimately disrupts the comfort of the hero's ordinary world and presents a challenge or quest that must be undertaken. Number three, refusal of the call. Although the hero may be eager to accept the quest, at this stage he will have fears that need overcoming. Second thoughts or even deep personal doubts as to whether or not he is up to the challenge. When this happens, the hero will refuse the call and as a result may suffer somehow. The problem he faces may seem too much to handle, and the comfort of home far more attractive than the perilous road ahead. 
This would also be our own response and once again helps us bond further with the reluctant hero. Number four, meeting the mentor. At this crucial turning point where the hero desperately needs guidance, he meets a mentor figure who gives him something he needs. He could be given an object of great importance, insight into the dilemma he faces, wise advice, practical training, or even self-confidence. Whatever the mentor provides the hero with, it serves to dispel his doubts and fears and give him the strength and courage to begin his quest. Number five, crossing the threshold. The hero is now ready to act upon his call to adventure and truly begin his quest, whether it be physical, spiritual, or emotional. He may go willingly, or he may be pushed, but either way, he finally crosses the threshold between the world he is familiar with and that which he is not. It may be leaving home for the first time in his life, or just doing something he has always been scared to do. However the threshold presents itself, this action signifies the hero's commitment to his journey and whatever it may have in store for him. Or her. Number six, tests, allies, enemies. Now finally out of his or her comfort zone, the hero is confronted with an ever more difficult series of challenges that test him in a variety of ways. Obstacles are thrown across his path. Whether they be physical hurdles or people bent on thwarting his progress, the hero must overcome each challenge he is presented with on the journey towards his ultimate goal. The hero needs to find out who can be trusted and who can't. He may earn allies and meet enemies who will, each in their own way, help prepare him for the greater ordeals yet to come. This is the stage where his skills and or powers are tested, and every obstacle that he faces helps us gain a deeper insight into his character and ultimately identify with him even more. Number seven, approach to the inmost cave. I would have thought they would say innermost, but inmost. That's what I thought. The inmost cave may represent many things in the hero's story, such as an actual location in which lies a terrible danger or an inner, inner conflict which up till now the hero has not had to face. As the hero approaches the cave, he must make final preparations before taking that final leap into the great unknown. At the threshold to the inmost cave, the hero may once again face some of the doubts and fears that first surfaced upon his call to adventure. He may, do, he may need some time to reflect upon his journey and the treacherous road ahead in order to find the courage to continue. This brief respite helps the audience understand the magnitude of the ordeal that awaits the hero and escalates the tension in anticipation of his final test. Number eight, ordeal. The supreme, capital supreme, capital ordeal, supreme ordeal may be a dangerous physical test or a deep inner crisis that the hero must face in order to survive or for the world in which the hero lives to continue to exist. Whether it be facing his greatest fear or most deadly foe, the hero must draw upon all of his skills and his experiences gathered upon the path to the inmost cave in order to overcome his most difficult challenge. Only through some form of, quote, death can the hero be reborn, experiencing a metaphorical resurrection that somehow grants him greater power or insight necessary in order to fulfill his destiny or reach his journey's end. This is the high point of the hero's story and where everything he holds dear is put on the line. If he fails, he will either die or life as he know it will never be the same again. <clears throat> Number nine. Reward, seizing the sword. After defeating the enemy, surviving death, and finally overcoming his greatest personal challenge, the hero is ultimately transformed into a new state, emerging from battle as a stronger person, and often with a prize. The reward may come in many forms. An object of great importance or power, a secret, greater knowledge or insight, or even reconciliation with a loved one or ally. Whatever the treasure, which may well facilitate his return to the ordinary world, the hero must quickly put celebrations aside and prepare for the last leg of his journey. Number 10. This stage in the hero's journey, the road back, represents a reverse echo of the call to adventure, in which the hero had to cross the first threshold. Now he must return home with his reward, but this time the anticipation of danger is replaced with that of acclaim, and perhaps vindication, absolution, or even exoneration. But the hero's journey is not over yet, and he may still need one last push back into the ordinary world. The moment before the hero finally commits to the last stage of his journey may be a moment in which he must choose between his own personal objective and that of a higher cause. Number 11. Resurrection. This is the climax in which the hero must have his final and most dangerous encounter with death. The final battle 
also represents something far greater than the hero's own existence, with its outcoming having far-reaching consequences to his ordinary world and the lives of those he left behind. If he fails, others will suffer. And this not only places more weight upon his shoulders, but in a movie, grips the audience so that they too feel part of the conflict and share the hero's hopes, fears, and trepidation. Ultimately, the hero will succeed, destroy his enemy, and emerge from battle cleansed and reborn. Number 12. Return with the Elixir. This is the final stage of the hero's journey in which he returns home to his ordinary world, a changed man. He will have grown as a person, learned many things, faced many terrible dangers, and even death, but now looks forward to the start of a new life. His return may bring fresh hope to those he left behind, a direct solution to their problems, or perhaps a new perspective for everyone to consider. The final reward that he obtains may be literal or metaphoric. It could be a cause for celebration, self-realization, or an end to strife, but whatever it is, it represents three things change, success, and proof of his journey. The return home also signals the need for resolution for the, other, for the story's other key players. The hero's doubters will be ostracized, his enemies punished, and his allies rewarded. Ultimately, the hero will return to where he started, but things will clearly never be the same again. <laughs> And then there's some other stuff here about structure and how they break it down. But those are the 12 steps of the hero's journey as originally conceptualized by Mr. Uh, Joseph Campbell. Again, these were ordinary world, call to adventure, refusal, meeting with the mentor, crossing the threshold, test allies, enemies, approach to inmost care, ordeal, reward, seizing the sword, the road back, resurrection, return of the elixir. That's been our show. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> so how is this related to line dance, Megan? Well, I relate it to line dance just in the sense that each one of us has our own journey that we go on um, throughout line dance. Mm. And different people take different paths um, and different people have different goals and outcomes in mind. But either way, everybody grows in some fashion or another. Mm. Um, Starting out, for me, you know, first you had... The ordinary world being that, you know, I didn't really do much. I didn't really, you know, go out and I didn't really, you know, it was just everyday work, 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 maybe a little bit of play. Um, And what time in your life would this have been? Well, I guess technically speaking, this would have been the first time if we're relating it to line dance would be when I was 18 was when I was first introduced to it. But we're also just talking even just three years ago um, because I did go out, I did fall out of line dancing. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, there's a lot going on. And then, you know, I was invited to go out dancing. Sounds like a call to adventure to me. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And although I was intrigued and I wanted to go, I was also very hesitant. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of my life circumstances made it look a lot more like play and maybe unnecessary at the time Um, as like almost like a frivol. You know, it's a total frill, a total, like, spur of the moment, a luxury if you'd have it. Mm. Um, And so it took me a little bit to get back out there. Um, But once I did, that was a totally different story. Mm. Um, Then I was out there. I was, um, you know, like, faced with all these new obstacles of... How many dances to learn? Which dances to learn? All these people look so much more advanced than me, and uh, I'm never going to catch up, and I'm never going to be able to dance like so and so. Or, I'm, you know, it's like a totally different situation. Where would this be on your timeline? Um, well, this was when I first started going to Mavericks. Mm. So I guess, in a sense, as weird as this is, this would be crossing the threshold. Mm. 
Because I wouldn't necessarily say I had a mentor that I met before I got into dancing. Who got? Who brought you in? Who told you about it? Um, well, originally it was some guys from that I worked with mm-hmm. when I was eighteen. But then when we're when I re got into it, it was a couple girlfriends of mine. Mm-hmm. So. Um, they knew about a place to go dancing or whatever, and so they drug me out. Mm. Um, so that would, it's, it's not quite the direct circular uh, timeline, but kind of along the same way. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was out there, and like, as this was saying, like, the, the cross, crossing the threshold, um, how now you're starting your quest per se Hmm. um and it can be um what you can either be willing or have to be pushed and both were the case for me Hmm. um i was willing but i definitely needed that push and that encouragement um and since then things have been completely different Hmm. so you start out as a beginner you don't know a whole lot of the steps. You don't know a whole lot of the dances. And would you say that those dances test you? I would say those dances test you. Um, as you take on more and more knowledge, going out there, trying new dances, you start overcoming your fears of, well, can I get this dance? Would you say you are your own worst enemy? I Yeah. I'd say that in general, but yes, in this, for instance, certainly. Um, but but fortunately, you have allies to help <laughs> yes. you help you through. Did you want? Do you want to tell my story? No, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just putting a little shape on it. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Everyone needs a little coloring in mm-hmm. here and there. Um, so, but I was among my friends, and so being among my friends, I had more courage to attempt new dances. Um, from there, you know, you learn more and more dances and you become more experienced. Then you take on the really challenging dances. Um, and what I've learned is I have a lot of friends that have kind of done that parallel journey thing. And then we split in different directions. Sometimes we come back together. Sometimes we don't, um, it's been an interesting experience over the last, I'm going to say, two to three years. The different people I've met through dance and how we've affected each other's lives since then. Um, that that would be a big thing for me. Um, from there, pretty much, you just kind of learn and grow and... You try new things and you fail and you get up and you dust yourself off and you try new things and you succeed and um, ultimately in my journey, that's roughly where you came in. Would you say that I was a mentor of some kind? Almost. Being, you know, ancient and oh, so yes, far totally. beyond you and Totally, yes. No, um, wrinkles. You were further along in your journey at the time than I was. <laughs> You had a clearer idea of, like, what you wanted to do as um, giving back to the community. Like, you you were already teaching. You were already choreographing. You were already learning all these really hard, complicated dances. So, in a way, yes, I would say a mentor. Well, you know, I've been dancing since I was in the womb. Wait, no, that's Maddie. Never mind. (laughs) I've only been doing this like six years. (laughs) Um, Maybe seven. And so from there, I was exposed to a whole lot more opportunities. I never, prior to meeting you, I never considered choreographing my own dance. I never considered being a teacher. I didn't think it was possible. Like... It was out of my realm of achievable. And then all of a sudden, it was in my grasp. So all I had to do was reach for it. And that's roughly where I'm at now in just the general overall sense. 
is I'm just now starting to get into the choreography. I'm just now starting to get into this instructing and battling those huge fears of being in front of people, of people watching me, of the potential of failure, as well as the fear of potential of success. Um, that's roughly where I'm at right now. As for like my knowledge of dance, I look at it as a, you start out with the beginners and you get really, really excited to do the beginner dances because they're achievable. You can follow them on the floor. And when you get a dance, you feel accomplished. So you try for a little bit harder, a little bit harder. And you increase your difficulty level to the point where you're at phrased, advanced learning, take me to church. And then... By Guyton Monday, in case anyone wants to look it up. From there, I at least look at it more as now that I've accomplished all of that... I'm looking at a different style of difficulty as I'm coming back around, more looking at like the softer, the waltz, um, stuff like pieces or skinny love, stuff like that, where originally there was no way I would do those dances, you know, two years ago. I wouldn't be able to accomplish them. I wouldn't understand the emotions that are behind them. Um, They'd be lost on me. Why would you have arm movements? I came from a bar, you know, stuff like that. And now that I'm in the process of instructing, I see such a core value in the beginner dances. Um, They're so important. They teach you the basics so that you can do these harder dances and where I'm at, I'm on, I feel like dance-wise, I'm on that loop back around. Um, I feel like I'm just going to be keep doing this circle thing where, as a teacher now, I'm teaching the beginner dances. I'm not sure if I'm ready to teach something, say, like, power mix. This might be a little bit out of my league. But I can certainly teach the beginner dances. I can certainly explain, you know walk, 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 kick. Um, And that's kind of like where that is. Um, As for like choreography wise, I am so a beginner. (laughs) I'm so in the beginning road journey. And so far the fears and the tests and the trials that I've had to come up with that are, you know, getting out of my own way for one learning how to listen to a song, coming up with the right feel and emotion and story for the song. Um, Fortunately, I've done um, a collaboration with you, so I have that experience of working together with someone um, where, you know, I've sought out feedback from amazing people and I couldn't even begin to list everybody, but people with much more experience than me and just kind of see what they do and how they hear the music and how they start a process and um, just really learning from what they've already been through that I haven't yet. Um, But uh, yeah, that's roughly where I'm at. So I'll I'll just go ahead and tread over like all the same ground as you just did. Uh, And I'm going to scroll back up to the top and look at the overall structure here. All right, so again, to give people like a, a quick rundown of what this might look like in a dancer's world, ordinary world, I'll just go ahead and like partly adapt some of this from my life. Sounds good. Yeah, so ordinary world, didn't dance, uh, line dance at all, um, and just kind of had my background of tap jazz, blah, 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 from like when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and then dance studio closed when I was 10, that was it. And then I would slow dance at high school dances. Did not get into grinding. Never really did ballroom partner stuff uh, beyond some like intro to salsa and intro to swing classes that were like over after a semester or something. Uh, so yeah, ordinary world, just kind of living a non-dancy life. This was around two thousand nine. I had been brought to Kodiak's once in two thousand eight, but it didn't really stick. Two thousand nine, though, call to adventure. 
um, my girlfriend at the time's sorority sister was engaged to a very country fella that we know. His name is Tyler. And he liked going out to Kodiak Jacks. And his fiance Megan, a uh, different Megan, no relation, um, she would go with him and then she would drag my girlfriend, who also wasn't really like super into line dance, but just liked going out with her friends and whatnot. Um, she brought Kelly, my girlfriend at the time, and then Kelly brought me. So I was called to adventure. And this was at a time when I was still a very good boyfriend and had like cute date ideas and wore my sweater vest and my nice slacks and powder blue shirt and dress shoes and gelled hair and glasses. And I looked like a proper gentleman at a country bar. After a couple nights of that, I realized this is, this is not a great fit. Um, I should find something a little more suited to the environment. Um, and, and yeah, at least blend in. If I'm not going to dance, at least look like I'm meant to be there to some extent. So I would dress a little more comfortably. I mean, I would still kind of dance. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, it felt like it was my thing. So that's not exactly refusal of the call, but it's, it, it was at that stage when I was like, oh, I don't know. Second thoughts. Yeah. Like I, I don't, everybody else has all this nice, like, you know, outfit stuff going on. And I'm just, I'm just a visitor. I'm not really here. Um, so, uh, I would only, I, I wouldn't really go alone. I would only go if I was being dragged in. And uh, let's see, if there was a mentor at all, it would have been all of my hipspirations, uh, like Alyssa Nicole Clark and Carolyn Collins, Carly Lynch. These were the girls with the hips who knew how to use them. And I would see that. And I mean, I would think of them as like almost like local celebrities, just like the the girls who like when they're there, you're like, oh, I'm so excited that they're here because like, man, when they do these dances that I have no idea how to do, like, it looks like they're just liquid. They're just, you know, doing whatever it is the music's telling them to do. And it was just inspiring to see. Um, so there would be some dances, like Country Girl Shake It For Me, uh, beyond just, like, the simple heel together, whatnot, like Copperhead Road. Those I could do, but I wasn't going to put, like, a lot of spice on or anything. Um, it was really the hip hip dances that made me think, like, I kind of want to do that. Like, I see them doing it. They seem friendly enough. They seem happy. And, like, maybe I could do it. So then I would, I would start to get into it, and I would learn the more complicated dances. I would go to the lessons. A lot of the early dances I would just learn on the floor because you could do that Cupid Shuffle. I mean, how are you not going to learn Cupid Shuffle on the floor? But, um, yeah, the other ones, I'm like, no, I'm going to go out of my way. I'm going to, like, come earlier and learn these dances because I want to know, like, how it feels to do it the way they're doing it. And, um, of course, Ryan was a, a great instructor and you know, very easy to follow. So he would potentially fit into that mentor category as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, crossing the threshold, dressing the part, starting to do those dances, and starting to go solo when uh, when Kelly wouldn't go because once I got really into my hips now we have on a very minor scale enemies like she would just gently kindly lovingly ask me How lovingly if, we'll I, go with that. if I wouldn't mind toning it down just a little like I would get real into my hips like nasty and, <laughs> and, uh, and she would just be shocked like this is not this is not what she was expecting from somebody who first came in a sweater vest and like slacks so um, she thought it was a little weird, and she didn't really understand it. And I, I was, you know, I kind of got what she meant by that. But like, I was still gonna go, and uh, I didn't have to be dragged along anymore. Now I could just go on my own, and yeah, uh, that would have been like a test. Like, you know, can I do this without my support structure, without all the people I came with? Can I make friends here on my own? Do they care that I'm not super country and that I didn't grow up on some farm or even have like a blue-collar, working-class job. Or a truck. Or a truck. <laughs> um, and allies. I, I did have folks there who would, you know, greet me as a regular after a while, and I didn't have to be with the people who brought me. Like, I could just be me, mm -hmm. and that was enough. Um, so, yeah, then then it, it just became, uh, for a long time, 
each test be, being, you know, um, learn whatever the next hardest dance is. And then it was kind of a series of tests just over and over. Learn all the dances at Kodiaks. Then Mavericks opened up. Learn all the dances at Mavericks. Um, Mavericks closed. Learn all the dances at the grad. Learn them all at Stoney's. Learn them all in uh, the entire state of California where possible. Just go on road trips. And those were my repeated tests and can I do this moments. And then, uh, then I found out about the circuit and that was a challenge (laughs) to my knowledge base. I realized how little I knew about the history of line dance and the world of line dance. Um, and skinny love was a huge test for me at my very first Vegas dance explosion. I also was not into arms and weird knee flicky things and slow dances in general for line dance. Mm-hmm. I came in my my cowboy hat, boots and buckles and, and uh, capes and jeans and plaid shirts because that's what I thought I was going to see in Vegas, just like a lot of that, doing a lot of the dances I knew and I did not find that. No, not at all. No. So that was uh, humbling, very humbling and I now had a new series of tests and uh, new allies no enemies once you get to circuit. That's another nice thing is that like at the country bar level, I don't want to call it level, but like in that world, there are people who will give you like the stink eye if they think, man, my girlfriend's watching him too much. I better not like him. Like you don't get that at events you know, in, in the circuit, which is nice. Yes. More allies, less, fewer enemies, no enemies really. Okay, so then um, we have approach to the inmost cave and that could be a variety of things depending whether you're looking at dancing teaching uh choreographing entering into competitions uh, yes yeah but there there are a few of those uh for teaching it would be uh the various places that you don't necessarily feel prepared for but there's a giant crowd and you gotta figure it out quick <laughs> um or the opposite, for that matter. Oh, when no one's there? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then for choreographing, it's like, why would anyone accept the legitimacy of this dance that I created in my kitchen? Like, I, I enjoy it. I think it's fun to do. But why would anyone else ever want to dance it? They can dance so many other dances. Why should they do this one? Mm-hmm. It's not even really a dance. It's just 32 counts of steps. And that's totally different. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um so that's like a, a a huge thing to overcome. That would be like fighting the dragon. Or if you want to get you know semi-related, there's the beast. <laughs> and learning that, um, that would be on the dancer scale. Um, could we possibly learn take me to church off of a step sheet and video and not from a <sighs> lesson? That was probably our biggest challenge dance-wise. Yes. Instruction-wise, uh, I would probably... I wonder if it would be Stoney's. Like... Lots of drunk people, no stage to stand on, and very loud. But somehow, we're all able to get through a lesson uh, just based on experience and smaller tests, as the hero's journey suggests. Like, you do it on a smaller scale, and it prepares you for the big, nasty dragon in the cave later. Well, so I would say teaching at Sony's is definitely a big step up from what you're used to, but... You also have uh, Palm Springs coming up next year, too. Oh, no, the the caves and, and the dragons just get bigger. Yes. Like, after that, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll be, uh, like, Vegas or something. And then after Vegas, maybe it'll be the Crystal Boots. Like, right. you, you don't know what's coming next and how much bigger it's going to be um, until you're given that opportunity to take it on or not. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, like, we have we have helped at other people's line dance events and nights and now here we are thinking what would it be like if we put on a workshop or if we had full control over our own line dance night or a line dance studio um, where we could just go in and tinker with things and not need somebody else's space like there are always going to be these new challenges and new tests so anyways then there's the ordeal and um Going through that, learning the hard dance, choreographing the dance that for whatever reason, you know, people like, and that would be step nine, 
reward, seizing the sword. Um, people have have seen the step sheet and they're teaching it to their classes all over the world, or uh, you're now able to do that difficult dance with Simon, with Rachel, someday right. with Rob Fowler, depending what the dance is. Um, doing like even just fragile with uh, with Guyton and then also later Fred. Right. You now those are huge feelings of like reward. You take on that beast of a dance and you you tame it, <laughs> and then you make it your own so that you can enjoy it. And then the road back, the road back is okay the event is over um the competition is over what do we do now what do we do now but that we're going back to the real world Mm -hmm. uh can we possibly follow up on this choreography like what's it going to be like just being a normal person starting from scratch on a completely new song again or uh what do we do now that we've learned that hardest dance can can we just wait, really, for the next dance to come out? Or do we have to make our own? That's that kind of a challenge. Um, or for instruction, um, you, you taught at Vegas. Can you teach 15 people in your beginner class? Or is it going to be too paled in comparison to the experience of something so grand? You know, all these things that happen after you've gone through the ordeal. Uh, resurrection. Resurrection. I think you just become a different kind of person because, as they say so many times in this article, you are not the person you were at the start of the journey. You're back home now, but the things that you've gone through and the skills that you have are different. So, yes, you are going back to your community center class and teaching again, or you're teaching back at your local country bar, but maybe you're a little firmer in your control of words and you're a little more technical and you care more what the actual steps are than before you went on the journey and didn't know anything about technique and and steps and what they're called and pacing your lesson. Uh, for choreography, if you um, if you have done you know your your big entrant uh, entrant dance into the competition and you're going back and um, you have these new skills, you now know how not to abuse hooks or you know how not to abuse transition movements you know how to have a balance whereas before you just thought no i need everyone to see all the cool things i'm able to do so i better put them all in one dance now you're like no we can make this fluid and and smooth and enjoyable um and then what would that be for a dancer before you know you just are flying all over the room bouncing off the walls and now you have a bigger picture approach you see the people who've been dancing for 50 years and you think, I want to dance that long. I don't want to hurt my knees. I'm going to stay a little more grounded. I'm going to still use muscle contraction and strength, but it doesn't have to be slamming my body into the hard wood. It can be contracting against itself and learning muscle isolation like Roy or Rachel and doing strength for longer rather than harder and shorter. Yes. And then finally, return with the elixir you can keep this all to yourself, but when you've gone through that, you want to save other people the time fighting their dragons, and maybe if you give them a head start, they can fight bigger ones that you wouldn't have been able to, um, and that your village still needs to have fought. <laughs> so you teach them as much as you can about the technical things you learned so that they can dance cleaner and safer, or more safely, um, and they can teach in ways that people are able to hold their concentration and stay in the lesson and feel confident. And if you learn that from other people, you want to make sure your students learn how to do that with their friends or their future classes. And then for choreography, you can even tell people, all right, so here's what I did and here's why that didn't work and here's how you can avoid having to go through that and just make your first time way better than mine was. So that by the time you get to your third dance, it's a huge hit smash around the world, and uh, and you don't have to get till like dance number seven before that happens. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a lot of different looks at the hero's journey from the dancer, instructor, and choreographer's perspective. I have no idea what a DJ's quest would look like. I because I'm not a DJ. Nor I. Not I well, kind of. Don't even want to pretend to understand. 
But, yeah, no, essentially, you know, you start out in the beginning, you have a lot more fears Mm -hmm. about looking foolish, about not being able to understand the dances, about maybe it's, you know, you don't want to fit a stereotype or whatever the case may be that has all this negative taste in your mouth. And then for whatever reason... You find yourself coming back Hmm. week after week after week, um, and you've learned more and more dances, and the difficulty level of your dances have increased, and so then you want to try harder ones, and faster ones, and more complicated ones, and so then you get to a point in which you're probably the farthest away from your starting point that you possibly could be. Hmm. And then you start looping back around and trying different things and, you know, coming back to understanding that, you know, that beginner dance that you haven't done in two or three years because it's played every Thursday night at clockwork at 11.45 p.m. and everybody's on the floor having a great time and you're like, no, it's cool, I'll, I'll get it next week. And next week and the week after that and the week after that and you've now had two or three years of sitting out of this dance now you're like all right with all the stuff i know and all the things i've learned can i make this beginner dance fun Hmm. can i put new moves and variations on it to engage myself and really enjoy myself and so you're back at that beginner point um I know with me right now, I, I'm having trouble deciding on finding good beginner dances to teach. Ones that are new, ones that are, are good beginner dances that will fit in the particular venues that we teach at, which vary in shapes and sizes and experienced dancers. Um, that is going to hold people's interest. That's going to make them be able to feel accomplished in something, but maybe also push them ever so slightly out of their comfort zone to show them that they can do maybe something just a little bit more complex than, you know, just your basic walk, 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 kick, back, 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 touch. Um, maybe this time it's just a little bit more, you have that one syncopation in there. Or that one move that's not in 20 other beginner dances. And it's set to a new hip song that people really, really enjoy dancing to. Um, as I'm, I'm working on something right now, there's a, a feel I'm going for. I don't want it complicated. I don't want it busy. I don't necessarily want some big flashy hook because I want it to be extremely accessible to that in-between beginner improver level Um, so that people can push themselves just ever so slightly out of the beginner level but not quite take on the improver. Um, And so I really can't have something crazy flashy, um, complicated, that's going to attract that really advanced dancer because that's not who I'm shooting for. Mm. I'm shooting for the people in the beginnings to early parts of their journey versus a different dance that I want to go absolutely crazy on and I want to hit all the really cool beats and have some crazy hook that's just like, holy crap, where did that come from kind of thing. Um, You know, I have one of those dances too that I'm trying to work on. So... Trying to hit both sides of that, I've kind of come to realize that although you can make a dance that everybody can dance, not everybody will. So it's a, it's an interesting feeling knowing that I'm shooting for a certain demographic. Hmm. What are some different adventures that we could potentially be called to? You mentioned the different kinds of styles and in being called to them, what is it that has made us resist that so far, and why? And who would be good mentors to contact about that? 
So like, let's say we wanted to do a slow, pretty nightclub because we haven't done anything like that, really. We haven't done it because we're not that knowledgeable about it or we're not that mm-hmm. well-versed in like things you can do with a nightclub, but we could meet with a mentor such as, say, Brenda mm-hmm. or Joe. Um, what are some other adventures that you think we could take on in the line dance world and who should we talk to about that and why haven't we done it yet? Um... Just in general, the Mm -hmm. reason why we haven't touched on everything, I think, has to do with, one, fear, just in general of how could, why would they want to talk to us, or why would they want to invest their very valuable time in mentoring us or guiding us through something, um... Is that something we could even do? And so we have all these hesitations that have prevented us so far. Mm. Another thing is we're battling quite a bit at the same time that I'm not sure throwing one more thing on our plate is really the smart idea. Mm. Like, for instance, I'm highly intrigued on being a DJ, Hmm. And how their minds work differently than the instructors. How they have to prep for a night where there's teaching, where there's social dancing, where there's, you know, filling the floor and making people have a good time and gauging the room and the crowd and the level and bringing them up to the highest point right before they rip them right back down and then build them right back up again. And that's a really intriguing idea. And I eventually want to get into that. But... Where I'm at right now, I'm just now getting my feet wet doing choreography. I'm just now getting my feet wet instructing. To add one more thing, I don't think that that I would be able to focus and learn properly. Hmm. Um, I can't remember. I was listening to some podcast. It was either Impact Theory or Tim Ferriss. Um, And they had said... You can have everything. You just can't have everything at the same time. Yeah. That sounds familiar. I think that might have been Tim Ferriss. Um, and it's, it's true. You can have a lot of good things, but I think the more you divide your attention, um, the longer it's going to take. Mm-hmm. And so you may not be able to get where you need to be to really be able to enjoy it. Mm. So... Um, But other things would be, like, choreographing to specific styles, for sure. I have one that screams Fred Whitehouse. Like, I would be shocked if he heard that and did not feel moved to make something for it himself. Um, But if I were to do it, part of why I have not really seriously, I would say sat down, but we don't do that when we choreograph, uh, stood up with the track and, like, gotten to know it better is... I feel right now I'm so not knowledgeable with a lot of the things that he does naturally. Uh, Well, what we see is naturally. Who knows how many years of training that actually took. Well, yeah, but like I haven't (laughs) put that into my body so it doesn't feel natural. Um, If I were to do it, it would almost seem like fraud, like an imitation. And while he would be the mentor to talk with about that, I feel like it takes it would take so much catching up to like where he's at to make it seem at all like something that, of his caliber. Whereas um, if I were to go the opposite approach and just say whatever, I'll just do it in my style. No, this track deserves a style more like his. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think I have enough of a style in that type of music for that to be an adventure I should go on. Just yet. Just yet. Now, if I did, if I just said, whatever, I'm going to take it on, I'm going to, I'm going to do it, you know, my mentor has said, go for it, and he won't, he won't do a track to it, but he'll let me know what he thinks of mine or something, then I would cross the threshold, start doing a bunch of different drafts of it. My tests would be, does this flow? Um, my enemies would be self-doubt <laughs> um, and self-criticism of well, whether it seems too cliche or too new and weird. And then, um, I guess my allies, what would those be? My familiar transition steps of like, okay, this has to go here so I can be confident with that step at least. 
Um, and then approach to the inmost cave would be maybe entering it into a competition and being like, all right, I'm, I'm putting it on paper. This is going to happen. The ordeal is doing it, showing the world, yes, I actually did this. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then the reward could potentially be... People um, like it. Yeah, people like it. And then the road back is like, well, now people know me for having this style under my belt. Are they going to expect more like this? Can I even do more like this? And then a resurrection in that case might be, well, the things that I learned, it, it's not just I learned all of these things and the only dance I'll ever be able to make with that skill set is this one. No, like I'm a different person now. Things feel natural now that they didn't before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am able to do this. And even if pressed and somebody else asked, how do I do this in the way that I would potentially ask Fred, um, I would be able to tell them because I have I have obtained the elixir and returned with it. <laughs> so there's that style. I mean, there's the samba dance that um, that we would probably want to talk to Darren about that we don't know anything about and that has been plaguing us for months. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot out there. And then, yeah, like you said, um, one adventure could be being a traveling DJ. If JP breaks his thumb or something and like he can't keyboard anymore then he might need somebody to fill in who isn't related to the St. George family and then that could be you Um, and how would you deal with that like he would be your mentor I suppose and he could help you cross the threshold into actually doing it but you'd have a lot of challenges before you felt like you were ready for the ordeal of an event oh right a lot of little tests I don't even think at this current moment, I'm ready for the private house party of my own, <laughs> let alone, you know, other people around. Other, let's see, other adventures, uh, putting on our own event. Yes. Um, having our own, let's say, Joe Thompson style CMT line dance show. If we were ever to do something like that, that would be an adventure in and of itself. Ha. Uh, and you know, throw it back to the '90s, um, but for the 21st century. Um, YouTube live stream. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else would there be that are adventures out there that we're probably not ready for, and who would we want to talk to about that? Because Joe would be, of course, very helpful for something live like that. I'm, I'm not sure if that show was live, but even if it wasn't, like how to carry yourself on television. Yeah. A lot of these dancers have great personalities on stage and can talk with a live crowd, but she knows how to talk to a camera. She is so charming and cute. And I, we were watching one of her videos just uh, recently. I think it was um, her dance to Tulsa Time. And it was called uh, Got Got the Time, I think. Got the Time. And she, like, gestures to her watch and just, you know, got the time. And, uh, it's just... Anyway, she knows how to make you feel like you're right there in the room with her when she's talking to a camera on a tripod. So that would be somebody to talk to about that adventure. Uh, of course, we have Dolly for if we were to do a beginner workshop of some kind in the near future, like at the end of September, um, then, yeah, she's a great resource or, or a mentor for taking on that adventure. Yeah, I mean, there's so much, too. There's also just teaching on a bigger scale, um, choreographing to different styles so that we don't typecast ourselves. Um, there's learning how events work I and mean, there's so much out there and that's just like umbrella stuff that doesn't mean anything like for instance um how to put in a dance floor hmm. how to set up so that the speakers hit the right points in the room so that you get the best sound um lighting decorations um you know like how it goes into getting contracts to hire on the staff members. How many you know, volunteers do you need for an event? Um, the intangible quality of atmosphere. Yeah. How do you create a culture at an event that's different from every other event? Exactly. Stuff like that. Um, understanding what people want that they don't know they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they don't know how to put it into words, but they love it when they see it. Exactly. Uh, stuff like that. Um, even just changing difficulty level when it comes to choreography. You know, it's from what my experience is, it seems easier to, at least nowadays, to choreograph an intermediate dance than a beginner dance. Hmm. 
or an advanced dance. It seems easier to have that like low intermediate zone to intermediate where there's tags and restarts, but you can still keep it simple enough so that it's it's not too crazy, but also have a couple hooks in there so it's interesting. Like it seems like that seems to be an easier realm to play with based on today's music. But how do you take a dance or a song that should be phrased to the music and dance a beginner dance straight through it? Hmm. You know, stuff like that. Um, the other thing which I'm currently having the issue with, which is I'm teaching at three different places. Yeah, yeah. Which has three different size rooms, which has three different style or uh, difficulty experience levels of the dancers. And most of them, to at least two of them, want country. One of them is more flexible, but ultimately they still like their country. So it's like finding something that I can teach that is worth their time learning that we're going to play again has been a challenge. (laughs) And with the fact that two of them, uh, now we're going to be teaching Thursday and Friday nights, so it's going to be back to back, it's going to be an interesting experience. Um, Because the Friday nights we haven't even started yet, so we have no idea what really to expect. Yeah, that'll that'll be interesting to report back on next week. Yeah. And in weeks to come. So. Lots of adventure to be found there. Yeah, so there's a lot of adventure going on. There's a lot of reluctancy. Um, when we were originally approached about Fridays, and now working together, I guess you could say with your allies, we're, we're ready to at least attempt to battle this dragon Mm. and uh, see what comes up from there. But uh, there's still a lot of hesitation and fear mixed in with the excitement and the promise of uh, what the reward might be. You know whose journeys I'm looking forward to seeing are uh, our friends in SoCal going to an event. Oh, I'm so excited for that. Yeah, because we have called them to adventure, and several times they've tried to refuse. <laughs> but now they have these mentors like Rhoda Lai and uh, Brenda Chateau and Cat Painter, and they're all telling them, oh, you guys got to go to these events. You're going to get hooked. You're going to love it. So pretty soon... Because why would they believe us? Yeah. Pretty soon... Oh, and Luann Schemmel has also been talking to them. Yes. Um, pretty soon they will be crossing that threshold in November at Vegas Dance Explosion. Oh. But first is going to be Wild Wild West. That too. Yeah, on a smaller scale in Newark, California, which is now sold out. Go them. Yes. Um, so yeah, they're they're going to have lots of tests over the course of that uh, trip in Vegas. Six days of dances they don't know. Or at least, you know, a lot of them they won't know. Many of them they will have learned in their bars because they're lucky like that. Um, They'll also actually have time to attend the uh, workshops, though. Yes. And uh, let's see, an approach to inmost cave and ordeal could be, in their case, depending who they're dancing next to, uh, could be dancing with people who choreograph the dances that they love. And for them to feel confident and ready to put themselves on the spot like that in public in front of like over a thousand people and actually get through it, the reward would be, wow, I danced that next to such and such person that was amazing. And now the road back is, gosh, I have to do that dance again with like 12 country people who don't even really like that song at a bar when I danced it with the choreographer. <laughs> so then Resurrection, they are now partly imbued with the blood of the line dance circuit and they will return with that elixir. So hopefully they will try to make their world um, and schedule and finances more um, adapted toward living that circuit life with us and and drinking some of that elixir. Yeah, I'm just, I'm so excited to see some of our friends at least get their feet wet 
with uh, Wild Wild West in September. Um, the great news about that is it's going to be Rachel and Fred, so they're going to have amazing instructors and passionate dancers on the dance floor that they're just going to be blown away when the two of them are on that dance floor live doing their thing. Like, oh yeah, no, it's they're going to be hooked. There's no way they're not going to be hooked. Mm-hmm. Um and then to follow up something like that with six days in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be amazing. And I can't wait to see how hungry they get. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing any video blogs that our friend Elliot might put out. Uh, because he also has a, a channel out there for anybody who wants to look at that on YouTube. It's uh, Dream On Dance. Dream On is all one word. D-R-E-A-M-O-N space D-A-N-C-E. And that's his channel where he posts video tutorials and sometimes just his thoughts spoken to the camera Mm -hmm. about line dance. This article, once again, is entitled The Hero's Journey, Mythic Structure of Joseph Campbell's Monomyth by Dan Bronzite on movieoutline.com. Coming up next, we have a stretch break for you, a little bit of music. This dance is choreographed and released recently by Madison Glover and Cody Flowers. The video only has, I think last I checked, 5,769 views on YouTube. So they sure knew how to pick a track that uh, wouldn't get jumped all over by everyone else. It's such a good, catchy song. Like, you... You want to play this in the car when you're driving around. Uh, The track and the dance title are both Put It On Me, as sung by Brianna Lee, or Leah, L-E-A-H, coming your way right now. 